Welcome to Cellmates, the podcast only occasionally stopped by hallway arguments. <laughs> uh, and also a show where we analyze, dissect, and compare two animated movies. Welcome, Dick Ward, to this podcast today. Welcome, Kate Phillips, to this podcast today. You can't, you can't welcome me back. I just did. I'm already here. I welcomed I, you. I I can welcome whoever I want to. It is your apartment. Don't make and me have a, my apartment. Don't make me have a hallway argument with you about this. Uh, if you hear some voices in the background, they are not spirits of the dead. Uh, they are spirits of our uh, uh, co-tenants in this apartment building because we live on the ground floor and we hear everyone's arguments on the way into the building. Yes! It's great. Uh, but also, there's a thing we didn't say that we normally say at the beginning after we say that we analyze, dissect... And compare two animated movies. We do. Uh, often, what we analyze, dissect, and compare are uh, Disney movies. But not always. Often they are musicals. Uh, not always, and often they're good. But not always. Although today, they are. They are really good. They Both are good. better than our transition back into that intro bit that we forgot. Yeah. And we could cut out the transition, because I feel like... Nope. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Dick, what are you drinking today? Uh, beer. Yeah, uh, great. Uh, it is. It is great. Uh, it is a uh, Voodoo Ranger uh, Hazy Juice. Yeah, it is. Uh, if you were to describe what a Voodoo Ranger looks like, not what a Hazy Juice looks like, which is like kind of orangey and uh, I don't know, hazy. Sure. Uh, what does a Voodoo Ranger look like? Uh... Is this a question I'm supposed to have an answer to? Oh, what does the I box was, look like? It's like green. The, the guy in the box of all the Voodoo Ranger beer we drink. A lot. Hey, kid, what, do you, what does a Voodoo Ranger look like to you? Uh, a Voodoo Ranger would be uh, a figure dressed in some like uh, aviation gear. Ooh. But the figure in that aviation gear is a skeleton. What? Uh, skeleton. Oh, skeleton. Uh, skeleton. Uh, one that you might associate with, like, uh, the Day of the Dead or would, a spirit world I don't know away. I'd, I don't know if I'd make that association. What? Let me ask you, what does this have to do with Toy Story? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Oh. Our, uh, our two movies for, for today's podcast um, both have to do with it, skeletons or spirits of some kind. You know, dead, dead folk. They don't have... Corporal, spirit uh, folk, non-corporeal, non-corporeal beings, yeah. except for skeletons have a corpse, no, right? Not, it's a bone. Anyway, we're talking about Coco and uh, Spirited Away. Yes, yeah. Two, uh, I, I will say, like two of my absolute favorite movies, uh, especially animated. Both uh, highly acclaimed. Yep. Uh, both, yeah. We haven't on on this podcast so far. We have not done two like. Very highly acclaimed movies. Yeah, yet. we've we've done like a great one and a good one, or like and three my, amazing ones okay. coming up next. Uh, so yeah, th- this is this is going to be a fun conversation because there's things to dive into that aren't like uh, this is why uh, Ariel is so much better than Moana <laughs> as a protagonist. Yeah, which I I, I do want to clarify. I like Moana. I don't mean it because it's going to come up in many podcasts. So right. I, I need to say this now. 
uh, Moana is that kid in your class who's like just so super bright and like just has all this potential and then just keeps making dumb choices and you're like, if you were just a dumb kid, I wouldn't be angry, but you're mm. a smart kid. Like you have all of the, like you have John Musker and Ron Clements and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Why are you making these like weird choices? Yeah. Um, so that that's the only reason I get upset with Moana. I love it, uh, but I'm going to continue to uh, hold it to a higher standard than it holds itself. What I'm hearing you say is uh, you hate Moana. Yeah. That's what it's going to appear like to the audience. I'm Has- never going to be friends with Lin and Miranda now. Moana hater. Oh, he's going to think I'm a terrible person. Well. All right, let's talk about why we've paired these two movies together. Yeah. Uh, Spirited Away and Coco are both movies that take place mainly in uh, the land of the dead. But not always. Not always. Um, or a spirit world. And it has, um, you know, going through that world, your mm-hmm. protagonist, or at least the the kind of the audience, uh, uh, what, touchstone? Um, I don't know. Like, Miguel isn't exactly the protagonist of his story as much as maybe some others. But uh, anyway, the main character that yeah. you identify with as the audience is a live, like, human child that has found themselves in the spirit world um, and doesn't want to end up there forever. Yeah, there's, there's like, something there that could trap them forever. For Miguel, it's just not getting back on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Chihiro, it's forgetting her name. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, like, that's kind of, like, what we thought on the surface level. We yeah. were, like, that's, I mean, that's literally why we paired them. Right. But then watching them, there are a lot of interesting comparisons. Right. With, like, the way the story is told, the way... Neither of our heroes really doesn't really like learn a lesson like you would learn a lesson in like a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like neither of our heroes is like, well, like, like you said, Miguel, he's the protagonist. He's the protagonist, but he's, also but he's, not... he's not the one who takes the dynamic arc, but in this case, it's not a problem. Um, I mean, and literally, going back to Moana, like, literally... The movie you hate. When when I tell people the problems I have with Moana, I'm like, honestly, like, a lot of my problems would go away if you just named the movie Maui. Mm. Like, and I feel like naming the movie Coco, even though Mama Coco is not the dynamic arc character, mm. tells you that it's not a story necessarily about Miguel. It's not about how Miguel changes. Um, I mean, it's it's... We'll get into this, but it's not yeah. Miguel's story as much as another character. Um, and yeah, these both of these films focus more on themes and connections rather mm-hmm. than like a message or moral that you know by the end of the story. And they are both ridiculously beautiful. They're, like, uh, the, I would say for me, the possibly the peak of each animation company. For me, like Pixar mm-hmm. has like. Uh, say what you will about your favorites. Uh, I, I think Inside Out is a tremendous movie. Mm-hmm. I think Coco is a tremendous movie. I think in terms of like artistry and animation, I think Coco beats it hands down. Absolutely. Uh, and I think uh, Spirited Away. I mean, Spirited Away is like the the one that won the Oscar. It's the one, uh, unless they won more than one Oscar. I don't know. Um, it's the one like generally hailed as like a masterpiece, mm-hmm. and and. You know, animation-wise, especially, 
uh, it just it shows it's there's so much care put into both of these movies and getting the story and getting getting whatever it is just right mm-hmm. uh so let's let's dive into it let's uh, dive spirited away was um one movie we watched and chronologically it is earlier that is correct. Uh, what is your uh initial viewing memory experience of this movie so i am a, a big studio ghibli fan i'm a big uh i guess I, i'm a big hayao miyazaki fan miyazaki fan sorry I'm gonna I'm gonna say some Japanese names incorrectly, and I'm gonna try my best, and I apologize. Um, He's also multitasking with looking up some Japanese names. I was too, to I be was fair. making sure I got the composer's name right because I always call him Joe Hihashi, but it's Joe Hisaishi, Hisaishi, something That's, like that. That I'm might be close. Doing my best. Uh, I took one Japanese class once. There you go. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, Spirited Away, um, I saw, so uh, actually I saw this in the theaters with my sister, mm. uh, who was really excited about it. Um, we Question, yeah. uh, did she split her head open before seeing this with no, you? No, not uh, this one. Man. The one time thing. Um, no, she, so uh, we, to backtrack. I became a fan of Miyazaki because I would stay at my grandma's house a lot when I was a kid. And when I stayed at grandma's, we would like every time we had like a Friday night at grandma's, we'd have a pizza night Mm -hmm. and we'd rent a movie or two from the library. And this is a town of maybe like a couple hundred people. Yeah, this is surprising to me. It's a tiny, tiny town. It's a beautiful town. It's a tiny town. Uh, and that library had maybe a hundred videos and maybe 20 of them were kids videos. And one of them was my neighbor Totoro. And we rented the hell out of it. Like I'm a, I am weirdly a fan of movies like over the top, the arm wrestling truck driving child custody movie. Um, it, like like there are there are a couple movies that I'm like yeah I'm a fan of that it's probably just because I saw it at Grandma's so much but we we fell in love with with my neighbor Totoro and once we realized like once we grew up like I I mean I was seeing it like right when it came out on home video I don't know how old I was uh, I don't remember the release date but like once once we grew up a little bit and we started like doing some research and seeing who these people were that made this we're like oh, this is Japanese, we had no idea, like, um, and my sister alerted me, she's like, there's a new movie coming, or a new new movie out from, from Studio Ghibli, and it is, like, supposed to be the best one, so we went and saw it in theaters, uh, in, like, the one theater that had one showing of it, uh. This was in Port Austin? No, no. They were the, showing Spirited the Away? The theater was, was Got not it. in Port okay. Austin. Uh, thanks for doxing me. Um. I just it would be surprising to me. Like it would be surprising. No, <laughs> the, teeny town in Michigan. The VH the VHS. You just just gonna keep giving away my location. I'm so sorry. Yikes. Um, we are not currently there. Yeah. Oh, giving that away now. <laughs> now they know which of four. Now we're states. not in the tiny town of Port Austin in Michigan. Great. Well, we're gonna get robbed any second now. Great. Um. <laughs> So, uh, uh, yeah, so we went and saw this, and it was, it was uh, amazing. 
and I've been a fan of it ever since. I, I've seen it probably like four or five times all the way through. It's not something that I can watch like over and over and over again. It's something that like uh, I need to be in like a kind of the right mood to watch. And when I do, it's like the best thing. So that's my history with this movie. Kate, what's your... I, I know I went on for a long time, so I'm going to let you go on for an equally long time. Yeah. What's your history with this movie? Um, I saw it this month. Hmm. Uh, I am... I was familiar. I'm not a Japanese animation buff at all. My brother is. He's like seen all the um, Miyazakis, um, but I haven't seen a lot of them. Mainly because I really, really, really dislike. Some might say I have an irrational fear of oversized animals. Mm-hmm. It's a very specific thing. Like not bears, not elephants. Those are supposed to be big. But, like, you show me the dog a size of a horse, like, I'm out. Yeah. Like, a really fat cat, no thank you. Um, and apparently this is, like, Miyazaki's favorite thing in life I... is creating films with giant animals that are way bigger than they're supposed to be. So, f- for those that, that do know Miyazaki, y- you can understand, I wanted to share this with Kate. Uh, and this wasn't the first Miyazaki movie you watched. This is not, no. Um, but I wanted to share Miyazaki with Kate because she's a huge animation fan, like huge, like Disney fan, and it took some doing to figure well, I mean, out you the literally best first movie. had a conversation with my brother of like, uh, I want to show Kate a Miyazaki movie, but I don't want to scare her because of big animals. Like, and my brother's like, oh, good luck. Like, like, <laughs> like Totoro's are supposed to be that size, but right. like the cat bus might be freaky and like... <laughs> Uh, Princess Mononoke with the giant pigs is pigs right are bad. out. So uh, and Spirited Away was like, Spirited Away, if it wasn't for the podcast, I would have waited on this one too. Spirited Away, it, I haven't had nightmares yet and I'm shocked. Um, I, I enjoyed it as a movie um, and we'll get into all the details, yeah. but it was, it was a rough visual watch for Kate here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. All right, I'm going to put five minutes on the timer. Oh, speaking of details, here we go. And uh, Dick is going to tell us as much as he can about uh, Spirited Away. Well, a plot summary, if you will. Yeah. uh, In five minutes, and it starts now. All right, so we start off uh, by seeing a girl uh, in the backseat of a car. She's holding some flowers, and we find out she's moving away from her home. She's super not happy about this. Um, she's acting out, um, because she is sad and not really great at handling that. Uh, doesn't seem like she's super great at handling change, just in general. She's, she's a kid. She's also, like an she's early a child, teenager. right? <laughs> she, yeah, yeah, She's kind of a dick. Um, she's kind of a dick. Not the biggest one in her family. Kind of a dick. So she, uh, uh, the, the family's like on their way to their new house. Dad takes a shortcut, ends up at like a dead end. His dead end turns out to be like an abandoned amusement park, which is like really cool, uh, especially if anyone's tried to take people into an abandoned amusement park in Tangiers, Morocco. (laughs) Kate, um, story for another day. So uh, uh, Chihiro goes into this park. Her parents like smell some food. They eat the food. They get turned into pigs. Then all these spirits start appearing. Terrible parents. It's like... All, all these spirits start appearing. Yes. She ends up like getting into this 
this giant like castle looking thing uh which is actually steam baths for the spirits um everything like there's kind of like a spirit for everything there's a spirit for rivers and and mountains and there's awesome chickens with leaves on their heads that make me laugh every time um she meets this dude haku who like helps her across and then he's like cool here's what you got to do to stay in here she goes like meets the boiler man and and the soot sprites and like this is like yo i gotta get a job she gets a job um and like after she gets a job, uh, a lot of things happen. And it's kind of episodic more than um, direct story. So, like, there's kind of, like, you know, it doesn't feel like episodes, but it doesn't exactly not, right? So, like, there's a, a segment where, like, she has to learn how to run the baths for the first time. And she helps out this really gross... Uh, disgusting spirit who comes in and it turns out he's like a river spirit who just had a bunch of pollution in him and she helped pulled it out like she pulled the thorn out of the lion's paw right um and then there's like a whole section with this character no face who's like very terrifying Uh, very terrifying he gets terrifying He, he starts out kind of sweet he's like standing out in the rain he doesn't have anything to say for himself. Like, he, she lets him in. He comes in. And then he gets, like, super overwhelmed by the place. He starts eating people. Mm. He starts passing out <laughs> gold because he knows people will do anything for gold. And he can just create it. And she, like, she both, like, deals with No Face. Like, she both, like, creates the problem of No Face and then deals with No Face. While everyone else is, like, chasing after his gold. She's like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want gold. That's cool. Um, then she like sees Haku, uh, the guy that helped her and is kind of a jerk to her. Um, but the guy that helped her is like actually a dragon and he's being attacked and injured and she helps, like, she's like trying to nurse him back to health. She can't really, but she does like lift a curse that's placed on him, which is great. Uh, and then she ends up like having to go to, um, there's a woman that runs the uh, the bathhouse who's kind of like a witch lady. Um, she goes to find the witch lady's twin sister to, like, get the curse broken and, and return something that was stolen for her and right some wrongs. And, like, along the way, these characters that she's kind of picked up, uh, No Face, um, the witch's giant baby who got turned into <laughs> a fat little mouse. Little mouse. Uh, the witch's bird that looks just like her who got turned into a little fly. That was confusing. They all like it. They kind of go on it uh, like not an adventure, like a calm trip. They just kind of hang out with each other. Yeah, they just kind of go on a <laughs> calm trip to to the other witch's place. Long story short, Chihiro uh, gets this stuff solved. Reunites with her family. Who are no longer pigs. Who are no longer pigs and just heads back and gets on with the rest of her life. Yeah. How'd I do? You did well because I haven't really been interrupting you. Cookies are Perfect. done. Cookies are done. Cookies are done. Um, those are the actual lyrics to that uh, Apple uh, alarm, just so you as a listener is aware. Uh, the cookies are done alert. Copyright Kate Phillips. Um, TM. 
Uh, normally I would have more to add, but one, I don't know this movie as well as you. Mm -hmm. And two, I spent a lot of that summary, like with my fingernails in my mouth, just remembering the visuals that he is describing. She did. It was weird. Oh, this movie makes me so physically uncomfortable, but I understand it's good. Like I, it's very, I have a complex relationship with the movie Spirited Away. Yes. But that was a very, uh, Comprehensive summary. Thank you, Dick. I, I did my best. There's a lot going on, and there's a lot more I could get into. There but. is. And like you said, it's not as linear, so it's harder to like tell it from beginning to end. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, and this happened, and this happened. And like, long story short, this ends up happening. Like, but It's important that all these things happen in the same order, but like, uh, like it doesn't tell an overall... We'll get more into it, but it doesn't tell like an overall arc. It tells like a series of... Yeah, it's not like this adventure gives her, you know... a you know, an object to complete the next adventure. Right. It's not like a video game logic in that way. It's just kind of like, she goes on this adventure, and then this happens. And, like, she she learns some things. She maybe grows, but mm-hmm. she grows, like, in the way a human grows, where, like, you can't really tell if they're growing or not. Right. They're people. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. This movie's beautiful to look at um, when, it's, when there are no monsters on the screen. So, basically, like, when Chihiro is the only person on the screen... This movie is beautiful to look at for me. But the backgrounds, I can take them away from the characters, and and I think those look pretty. That's fair. Um, So, speaking of movies that look pretty, Mm. let's talk about a movie that does not look pretty. No, I'm just kidding. Let's not. Let's talk about Coco instead. Let's talk about Coco. This movie's gorgeous. Um, Kate, can you set yourself a cookie timer? Because I don't know how to set a timer on your cookie I will once we get done talking about our experiences with this movie. I'm aware. I asked you to set it, not start it. Okay. Well, the phone's going to turn off before then. Well, you're going to turn off before then. Hey, Kate. Hey. (laughs) These are going to be very different stories. Where were you when you experienced Coco for the first time? Uh, I I was with you. Yay! (laughs) We saw this opening day, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the day before Thanksgiving. Um, oh no, it was not opening day. It was not opening day because it had been open a week or two before because my brother had heard lore of the, um, the feet, the mini feature before this movie. Why don't you, let's, let's give the audience the (laughs) full experience. Um, well first let's play some commercials at ear deafening. The loudest, like not even previews. The, the commercials, com- like the commercials were definitely loud. It's and like the loudest audio I've ever heard in a movie theater. And the previews were definitely loud. Like we had our it hands was, over our ears. Yeah, it was like migraine inducing. Like you left the theater to go talk to an employee. I, I talked to them and they were like, yeah, sorry. We know it's a pro- it's a known problem, right? I'm like, could you just it'll, turn it down? Like, no. No, nah, it'll get quieter it'll once get the movie starts. It'll balance out. And we're like, in the meantime, like everyone is having brain aneurysm in the theater. But, oh. but you know what? But the volume did adjust the, out. And the volume, and thank goodness, the volume was the least of the things to give us brain aneurysms. Because this is a this is a Pixar movie, which means there's an animated short in the beginning. Um, Wait, when was the animated short? Right? Was that before or after <laughs> the movie that preceded this movie? Normally, animated short means uh, two to three minutes. Yep. Uh, a little beginning, middle, and an end, a cutesy thing. Um, the original animated quote-unquote short... To appear before Coco is uh, Olaf's, uh, what, Frozen Adventure, Olaf something adventure. Uh, Olaf's Cultural Appropriation. Olaf's Cultural Appropriation Adventure. Um, it is 
22 minutes long because what it was supposed to be was like a half-hour TV special on ABC. And it would have been great. Very well-suited for that. I would watch it as a half-hour TV special. Not well-suited as a short, quote-unquote, film before a movie that's already one of Pixar's longest at an hour 45. Um, like, there are there are stories about this. So, the following week, in <laughs> fact, Disney removed this because there was so much negative yeah. feedback from it. Um, what's what's the, the was that a tweet you liked? It was a tweet that like it, it was which one? It, I liked a lot of tweets that were revolving on this. Well, there was one headline that was like uh, like Disney removes Frozen short from Coco because there is a god, and he was also pissed with this Frozen short. <laughs> um, but there was like a, a Twitter story from some random tweeter um, that's like. Oh my gosh, my theater like went ballistic during this thing. Like there were kids, like eight year olds, on the floor because they had just like they they just stopped their brains stopped working. They were like pounding their face into the floor, and like another eight year old was yelled at the screen. No one asked for this. Um, it's a fine twenty two minute short. It is not a pre movie short because mm-hmm. you think it's just gonna be like. A cute song, and then Olaf does a dance, and then we get to the movie. And then there's four more and songs. And then there's four more songs. How many oh songs, Kate, you, you tend to know these things. How many uh, songs are in Frozen? Frozen has, but yeah, that's a good question. Thanks. Um, the typical Disney standard is five. Uh, yeah. Frozen has like eight or nine, because they're like reprises, because the Lopez's know what they're doing. this 22-minute short. Had like five. Had four yeah. or five. The, the density is much higher. I will say that. It's rough. And none of these are none of these are winners. It's rough. And it's Olaf looking around for a tradition that he can steal for the, the, the two girls. Which Yay. is like... It, 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 the heart is in the right place, but especially before a movie I mean, if we like pair, Coco... If we pair anything with Nightmare Before Christmas, I think it's Olaf's Frozen Adventure. Oh my goodness, that's a They're great the idea. Same movie. They are the same movie. I don't know. I don't know which ends up more successful. But yeah, but before a movie that uh, uh, I think is is really aiming to be uh, true to the people it represents, yes, to the point that it was released in Mexico first right, with the with the Spanish dub, but yeah, but the, that it was released in Mexico first, yeah. and then. It's like, hey, let's let's do a short about white people. Uh, the uh, whitest, the whitest person there is, yeah. uh, snowman, yeah, literally mm-hmm. going to find other people's culture that it. Also, can I use. mean, if if you had said Josh Gad instead of Olaf, he's not quite as white as Donny Osmond, but he's pretty white. I he don't played know. A <laughs> I think Josh Gad is whiter than Donny Osmond. <laughs> also, we love Josh Gad. Let's let's make that clear. Ah, I love Josh Gad. I love Josh Gad in two things, and I've seen him in five. <laughs> yeah, I think he tries hard. Um, yeah. I love his Olaf. I I do think it's like one oh. of probably hey. my top ten Disney vocal performances. Olaf's great. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so this short didn't belong here, but eventually, after uh, you know we real, lost real our quick, hearing, real quick, <laughs> I was afraid that we would not have enough to like bitch about. Because I, I really These do enjoy... These are two good movies, yeah. I really do enjoy having something to complain about. Yeah. And I'm... Like, for that, I am thankful for the Frozen show. <laughs> we got that out of the way. Um, so once we finally did get to the movie, our ears are bleeding, our eyes are bleeding because uh, of Olaf. But we got to the movie, and then our eyes bled tears. Gross. It, it's not a perfect metaphor. No. Um, 
It was, it was so good. It was so good that we saw it the next week. Mm-hmm. In Spanish. In Spanish. I don't speak any Spanish. He does not. You speak some? Un poquito. Oh. Ah. Un poco más que un poquito ahora. But um, we saw it in Spanish because, you know, being this is like a very well um, executed movie um, that Disney has done about non-white people kind of for the first time uh, ever. Yeah. Um, They released it in cities that had high Spanish-speaking populations um, with with the Spanish dub Mm -hmm. in the full theater, which you like never get. And being like white Midwesterners who are... Really trying not to be terrible people mm, in general. Yeah, we try. Um, like, it, I thought it, it, it seemed like it'd be really interesting. One, uh, because Kate is uh, always studying Spanish in some way or another. Mm-hmm. So, like, one, to, like, see a movie in Spanish. And two, like, just to be around people that would, like... Because, you know, like, we saw it and we were like, oh, and a friend, neat. But, you know, when we saw it in Spanish, basically everyone there was like... Like it, it wasn't like you had to explain what no friend it was. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's it's like uh, for us having a Christmas tree in the movie. It's like, right. yeah, right. I know what a Christmas tree is. You don't have to explain. Although it. the audience was interesting too, because at least the family in front of us, they like when the movie was done, they were speaking to each other in English. Yes. So I think like the parents speak maybe Spanish and English, and the yeah. kids probably speak less Spanish. Than English because of school. But the, um, the one, but, the one, yeah. You want you say it? Well, no. I mean, they were talking to their parents about like, oh, this is interesting. So it was like, to me, it was pretty clearly an exercise of their parents being like, this will be good for them to see a movie in Spanish mm-hmm. in a theater. Um, and the one kid asked at the end, he's like, can can I take my guitar down off? Was that the in the English or the that Spanish one? That was in the one? English. In and, the English one. And he's the like, other kid was we can, like, we should get the guitar down and start playing guitar. The other kid was like, can we put No Frienda up this year? Uh, oh. Oh, it was beautiful. It was great. It was so nice. Um, So yeah, we saw this movie two times in the same week. When English went in Spanish, cried uh, the same in both times. And uh, we saw it once again uh, at a friend's apartment uh, where a small child put a curse on me. Notable. Uh, The toddler came up to me, (laughs) uh, noticed that I was eating some chips, and said, first you take it, then you eat it. Then you become it. <laughs> and walked away. And I've been terrified ever since. <sighs> I haven't eaten a single chip. So on that uh, no, terrifying of, note. I've eaten a lot of chips, haven't I? Yeah, you have. Yeah. You haven't become one yet, though. No. So I love snacks. It's a time-lapse curse. Um, so with that terrifying anecdote behind us, uh, let's talk about something not as terrifying, which is the plot of Coco. The Cocos. Um... I will get up the timer now. Oh, see see oh, how, how, what, how wasted that would have been if would've we had turned on that timer then. It would have been so worth it. We needed to talk literally right, 22 right, minutes about right. Frozen. Are you ready? I am ready. you got five minutes till cookies are done, starting now. Great. So, Coco um, is not actually the name of the boy. His name is Miguel. Yeah, that's uh, common misconception if you haven't seen it, or you have and you're just trying to speak really fast. Uh, Miguel lives in Mexico with his family of shoemakers, and he tells this uh, great story. What? Okay. Uh, he tells this great story in the beginning of how his family used to be musicians. He had a great grandfather, great great grandfather, who was a musician, 
but uh, he left the, he abandoned the family, and so now no more music in the family. Um, and it's reinforced several times by his grandmother. So I guess great great grandfather was a musician. His grandmother is living. His great grandmother, this uh, musician's daughter, is still living. That's Mama Coco. Uh, mm. And I know, right? We're like we're we're probably gonna cry multiple times in this podcast. Nah. Um, so no music, but Miguel loves making music. He loves guitar. Specifically, his idol is this guy, Ernesto de la Cruz, who's like this, um, you know, famed mariachi star. He died because a giant bell in a show fell on him, uh, comically. And, Hilariously. Um, yeah. So Miguel wants to play guitar, but his family's like, nope, you're going to be a shoemaker like all of us. Also, no music. And then they discover that he's been playing guitar <gasps> because he enters a contest. Uh, he wants to enter a contest. Um, so he's practicing guitar and um, they're like, nope. Uh, Mama Coco finds his secret guitar in his stash. Not Mama Coco, Mama Coco's daughter. Um, grandmama, uh, Grandma. Uh, <laughs> That's regular, fine. Regular abuela. Just call her Grandma. Finds his uh, secret music room and guitar and mm-hmm. smashes it to pieces. And Miguel's like... I'm leaving this family. I mean it this time. I'm going to Phoenix. Um, and he runs away. He, it's, uh, by the way, all of this is happening around the time of Dia de los Muertos, which in Mexico is... Um, day of the Muertos. Yes. Is uh, the day after uh, what uh, we in the Western world call Halloween. Um, and it's a celebration of, of spirits and ancestors and remembering those who have passed. So... Uh, this is the celebration is about to occur, um, and Miguel runs into um, Ernesto de la Cruz's big like tomb, like mausoleum type tomb. He's like, "Here's a guitar I can use for the contest." He takes it off the wall, and all of a sudden, poof! He can see a bunch of skeletons, and he freaks the heck out. Yes. Why does he think it's okay to take Ernesto de la Cruz's guitar? Um, because he is uh, pretty sure that it is his grandfather. Because uh, this great, 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 well, whatever is his ancestor. Because the guitar matches a picture that Mama Coco has of her father, but the father's face has been ripped away. Thank you. You're good, welcome. Good uh, insert. See, sometimes I interrupt. Sometimes you don't give me and shit. And it's really. But helpful. see, now you're just wasting my time. So he goes poof. He can see a bunch of skeletons, and he's like, "What?" Uh, and like all the regular people are passing through him because he has become one of the dead. He is one of the muertos. And um, he meets his, so uh, series of events, he figures this out. He meets his dead family um, who's like, nope, you're not staying here. You're going back to the land of the living. And then he, oh my goodness, I'm so behind on time. And then he um, doesn't go back to the land of the living because he's got to find Ernesto de la Cruz. Uh, make him proud of him, uh, then he, he wants that ancestor's blessing to go back and uh, be a musician. True. Anyway, so he explores the land of the dead with this guy Hector that he meets who is not allowed to return back to, uh, you know, the Dia de los Muertos celebration because no one has a picture of him up on the ofrenda because everyone's forgotten him. And in this world, when you get forgotten by all of the people, you, do, you stop existing, even as a skeleton. So Hector's afraid he's going to do that. Um... Uh, Miguel tries to win this competition where he'll get to meet Ernesto at his party. Um, he performs with Hector. They're both great musicians. That's weird. Um, he gets to Ernesto's party. I'm skipping a lot because I spent way too much time in the exposition. And he's like, Ernesto, you're my great-grandfather. Ernesto's like, great. And then it turns out, one, 
he's not his great-great-grandfather, too. Um, uh, Ernesto was the one that killed Hector in real life. Hector was his singing partner, but he stole all the songs from him, and then he poisoned him. Oh, my gosh. And then then he then Ernesto uh, dungeons both Miguel and Hector, and they find out they're actually family. Hector is Mama Coco's dad, and they have to um, do a competition, and they have to uh, they win it, and Ernesto gets found out as a killer, and then they go back, and he sings a song to Mama Coco that Miguel sang to her, and then Mama Coco remembers Hector. Oh my goodness! And then Cookies Hector gets to come back, and it's great because Cookies Miguel remembers Cookies his family, and he gets Cookies to be a musician, and in his proud corazón. I guess, the, lives I guess the plot ended uh, with that resolution. That's a shame. No. Oh, my goodness. Well, we're going to oh, talk about that moment anyway. There's man. so much happening. It's a it's a very dense plot. And there's and, and pretty... And Miguel is a, a really well-established character from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to, like, dive into It is. And Miguel the story's is. not really about him. Right. Interestingly enough, um, he's more of a canvas for the story of Hector and... The family at large. Yeah. Um, but there's some really, I mean, to go back, you see some good um, flashback moments of Hector and his little girl daughter, who you have met as like this 90-year-old woman, so it's very sweet. And he sings this song, Remember Me. That's kind of the lynch, the linchpin of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Miguel sings it back to her as an old abuelita, it's just, uh, if you're not crying, you've probably... Um, you're probably a toddler that throws curses on everyone because she was the only one not crying in that viewing. So now that we've talked about both of these movies yeah. and you did it more concisely than I, yes. um, I'm surprised I have not run over that time limit before now. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I have so much to say. I know. Um, let's talk about the, the worlds themselves, right? The, the majority of both of these movies take place in a spirit world. Mm-hmm. Um, but they look very different and they feel very different and yet there are similarities. Yeah. Um, um, you had mentioned that, you know, in these worlds, it's kind of like a dream versus a nightmare. Yeah. And, and, and I want to make sure I, I hit on that correctly. Um, my sister, when she was little, had like a recurring nightmare. And it was the scariest thing in the world to her. And it was, it was the man, the man with a cup on his nose. Sure. What what does that mean? We couldn't figure it out. And neither we, could she, apparently. We asked her to explain it. And she's like, it's a man with a cup on his nose. It, it, a nightmare doesn't have to be werewolves and right. zombies and, right. and mummies. Uh, it's like... A very normal thing, but just a little bit off. And I think, like, that is... Or or off enough that it's bothersome. Mm-hmm. And I think for you, like, uh, you know, the spirit world and everything being, like, a little oversized or a little off in some way, like, that really affected you in, Let's in a way. Let's clarify what movie this is talking about because it's the, only sorry, one. <laughs> the spirit, in Spirited Away. In oh, Spirited yes, Away. In Spirited Away. Uh, though Coco does have a giant cat that didn't seem to bother you at all. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's got wings. Cats don't have wings. I don't know what size a cat what with wings should be. What size is a no-face supposed that, to be? Well, it is established. <laughs> That's the whole point. So here's the thing. For me, and I agree with everything you've said so far, 
But for me specifically, in my night hairs, in my night hairs, my nightmares, um, like proportion distortion is a thing. Like that is a recurring thing. And I have not told you this. I kind of have hinted at it in various. I mean, like, I, I would have guessed. Like seriously, like a hallmark of a nightmare in my existence is like things like grow or shrink in size at random. Um, and I feel like that's all of this movie spirited away is things are growing and shrinking in size at random. Correct. And it's just the whole thing feels like a nightmare. I can look in the distance and see those pretty mountains and streams, but holy crap, that no face turns into a frog and then just keeps getting bigger. But it's like an inky frog. It's yeah. like if Venom was a frog but, and then just kept getting bigger. Like, but also oh, was God. awesome. Oh but my gosh! Also was awesome. I don't care. Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's. I mean, it definitely evokes nightmare. It's yeah. Super successful. And it's, <laughs> for it, me. It, but again, like, it's not like, oh, it's a scary thing. It's like, here's a thing that's just weird enough. Yeah. It's just other enough to yes. make you really uncomfortable, right. or in your case, afraid. And even in the like, the, just the character designs, like that boiler maker guy yeah. is just like weird looking, like. Yeah. It's not expected. It doesn't fit the model of like what you see as the character design in Chihiro. And... Yeah, and I think I think some of that is, um, and this is I mean this is me reading into it, um, but some of that I think is uh, how a child sees the world. I I had a uh, piano teacher mm-hmm. when I was a kid who I swear had like a five foot long nose. <laughs> Like, if you show me a yeah. picture of her now, I'm sure she's a normal-looking woman. Yeah. But because I sat next to her and looked, like, up her nose. Sure. Because that's the angle I was at when I was learning piano. Like, that's the one thing I remember about her. And I feel like the Boilermaker has his, like, giant mustache. I mean, he's also got, like, eight arms or whatever. But he's got his, like, giant mustache, his glasses you can't see anything through. And, and uh, uh, you know, everyone's got, like, a, a very... Like, very specific features or, or features that you, like, really remember. Yeah, it's, like, the style is general, like, generally macabre caricature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas, in whereas Coco, Coco... nothing is like that. Or, <laughs> like, like, there's a giant kitty cat, but even that cat is really adorable. I mean, it's established as on your side. Like, there's never a time where the cat... I mean, the cat's, like, searching for Miguel at some point, yeah, but... Yeah, but it's not going to hurt Miguel. No, it's not going to hurt Miguel. Miguel is, is very rarely in danger. Yeah. Um, I mean, but this... So, the spirit world, like, the animation is beautiful, even from moment one when you're in the real world, yeah. but as soon as Miguel kind of crosses over into that spirit world as soon as you and even get to just that bridge. Even just yeah, I was gonna say the bridge with these like flowers, oh. these orange this just massive Oof. bridge of orange flowers that are at once suspended but also constantly falling so in this pretty. like and then you get to the actual like land of the dead itself with these like towers. It's like it I we were saying earlier, like I would love to have like a wall in my home mm-hmm. painted with this, like with the detail and the glow, like that orange glow that they mm-hmm. get off the flowers, and it's just like just one of the most visually stunning things in it. Like I just want to like wrap myself in it and just like yeah. <laughs> cozy up in it forever because it is so beautiful looking, so lush um, and detailed. Um, and this whole dream world is like that, right? Like there's all these. 
you know, there's some like clever things that, you know, the spirit world, it can happen in the spirit world, but not in the real world. But mostly it's just lush and just like these designs go on forever. And like Ernesto's palace is gorgeous and it's like opulent, but it doesn't feel creepy, which I feel like a lot of open spaces can feel like. Um, They just do a really good job populating the movie. Um, And I mean, it. so in these spirit worlds too, um, Miguel kind of has a posse that follows him more or less. Like he's got Hector with him pretty much the whole way. Yeah. They run into some characters along the way, but then it's like his family, his dead family that's following him. Um, and I guess that's the same in, in Spirited Away too. Yeah. Although they, they less interact with each other. She does have like a core yeah, group she, of people who kind of help her out. I mean, she has a, a dedicated friend group and support system. Mm-hmm. They're not always great, uh, but they're her people. Yeah. And, yeah, that's it. Like, she's got Lynn, who's, like, the lady who kind of introduces her to the to, to washing yeah. floors. Susan and, Egan. And running the thing. Yep, Susan Egan. Um, she's got uh, Haku, who's, like, the dragon boy, who, mm-hmm. like, helps her out, but acts like a total dick to her sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um and she's got like the boiler maker who like pretends to be her grandfather, uh, to like get her in and get her a job. Well, I miss that. You were cowering. Yeah, I miss a lot of like plot details in this movie because of cowering. Yeah, that was how I spent like probably a good seventy percent of the movie. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna make you see it again no. anytime soon. No, please. But I think if you did see it again, you would pick up on a lot of stuff. I you would probably out pick on. up on a lot more stuff because you'd be like, "Cool, I'm prepared for this." horrifying part mm-hmm. i know i'm safe for another 10 minutes yeah oh. um and so yeah it, it's definitely both films evoke a certain mood like we are in this place and like here's how you feel about it oh. <laughs> or make the connection and here's how you feel about it and like and like just as uh, like you're saying speaking of mood um i think uh miyazaki uh, in Spirited Away, and probably in general, but in Spirited Away, he is portraying, um, like with his with his scenes, like like we said, it's kind of episodic. I think he's a little bit portraying or trying to put across a mood. We want so I I recognize this movie as like technically. Excellent and and yes, I was carrying 75, 70 I'll bump it up seventy five percent of the time. Um, so we watched a, a set of YouTube videos, just kind of on generally Miyazaki's like mm-hmm. philosophy of animation, but also a specific one on this movie as well. And I and that was one of the theses of one of them that like Miyazaki, you know, portrays emotions and moods. Yeah. More so than like a linear plot that's standard in Western storytelling. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting watching those because, like I said, I you know I didn't catch a lot of the plot because the visuals were legit. Like we've been joking, but the the visuals were legitimately like yeah. off putting for me. Like they took a lot of mental energy away from the other port. And everyone's everyone's got a thing. For me, it's like. Some European animation, uh, especially British, makes me really uncomfortable. Uh, the Phantom Tollbooth, I can't get through. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, what was that thing you showed me? <laughs> P- 
Prometheus and Bob, the Kablam short on Nickelodeon. Scared the shit out of me. Do you not like claymation in general? Like I, stop motion claymation? I'm fine with stop motion and claymation. Like can you do like Rudolph? Yeah, I think okay. it looks chintzy, but yeah. I, I think it's fine. But just that, something about that <laughs> show, like... It you specifically a, did not like the caveman, like his... His... Like, his oh, his screams of pain. <laughs> Yeah, you could not watch that. And then the alien just screaming at him and this like... Under, oh. I love these shorts and I tried to show it to him and it was a similar thing and to me thought, watching me as You thought I was being goofy yeah. and I was like, no, I'm like, serious. No, I need to turn this off right now. Oh. Um, so everyone's, yeah. everyone's got something. Right, but some I people appreciated... Some people it's some people it's big pigs. And I, Oh, those pigs too. I know. I mean, that's a separate thing. Like, that's the size that pigs are supposed to be. But for some reason, my brain has clicked save on piglet. And, like, that's the size that pigs are supposed Mm. to be. So anything bigger than a piglet, I'm out. It might as well be a big dog or a King Kong. Um, Or a King Kong. King Kong is my worst nightmare. All right, all right. We'll talk about King Kong after we see the animated musical that'll eventually come out. Um, But I appreciated seeing these uh, kind of breakdowns of Miyazaki style because it is more, it helps me understand it more because, uh, like you said, I'm not going to watch this again probably anytime soon, but if I did, I would pick up not only on more story, but I would, I think I would also be more attuned to his style of storytelling is not, is not quite the word I want to use, but his style of communication yeah. with the audience or I think communi- artistic expression maybe I think communication's a great word yeah. you know um you know, I Miyazaki is is compelling in that uh I think he puts across uh, specific things but uh never hits you over the head with it he's never like well I don't want to say never but like you look at spirited away there's never a moment where it's like well, I guess you didn't appreciate your family enough, or like, I guess Consumption you're consumption re- bad. Yeah, I guess capitalism sucks. Like that's that's not directly expressed. Right. That's not directly said. But when you're when like you're looking for the similarities in the scenes, when you're looking for different things that happen, like it comes out, mm-hmm. and, and it reminds. I said it reminds me of like going to see like art at a museum like i go see an art piece i'm like i i don't what what uh, and then someone was like okay well check it out here's why this artist used this brush stroke and here's what this color is evoking and like i'm like oh oh i get it you know like yeah. it's it's i don't want to say more abstract but mm-hmm the messages at least more abstract. or more abstractly presented. Yeah. And, and I think this, these, this thinking about it this way has helped me. Um, because not only was I kind of distracted from storyline, but Western storytelling and particularly Disney and Pixar are very linear in yeah. their storytelling. They might not be, you know, the spectrum of concrete versus, you know, generalized or big pictures is, is, you know, malleable, yeah. but, I am used to seeing movies in a like beginning, middle, and end. This is the character's arc. This is, you know, and obviously the best. So to me, the movies that I connect with the most, the stories that I connect with the most are one, 
stories, which right. would, on my Western brain, present themselves linearly, more or less. Um, and they... Uh, cause and effect. Yeah, cause yeah. And, there we go. Cause yeah. and effect. Um, and there's something uh, concrete about the story. Like, like this, you know, Coco is... We were talking about, like, what's the message of Coco? Like, what's the... Which is... Yeah. Which we're like, oh, we don't... So it's like remembrance, right? But, like, does Miguel need to be remembered? Miguel? Does, no, he doesn't, doesn't... really change. Right. He learns things, but he he gains confidence, right? Like, like he kind of learns not to be a dick about the ofrenda. Right. But he makes connections. Well, I guess, I mean... I guess it's not so much like a here's what Miguel by himself learned, but he learned that instead of just saying like family you're wrong, like he learned kind of some backstory of why. So on a meta yeah. level, like uh, you know Miguel is learning about his living family's history, mm. and so it helps him contextualize why they're feeling the way he does, yeah. and then they then he can make the connections and the bridges to be like hey, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, I kind of I kind of see it as like a make sure you're seeing people as people. Yeah. Because like he needs to see that his family are not just like against music for no reason. They mm-hmm. probably have a reason. Uh even if even if they're right or wrong, mm-hmm. right? They have there is something in them that makes them feel this way and also uh Ernesto is also a person and not someone to be worshiped and mm-hmm. so he has flaws. Right. Like I guess. Right. But it's not it's not as hit you on the head. But all of these themes in Coco emerge out of a linear storyline, yeah. right? Like Miguel has a want. He wants to meet Ernesto yeah. so that he can kind of be blessed. Well, I mean, on a literal level, he wants to meet him so he can get back to the living world, but also to kind of validate this musician yeah. inside of him. Like in order but, in order to get back to the living world, he literally has to get the get a blessing from one of his family right. members. Like Basically, he's seeking approval. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the that's the there is a concrete storyline, but yeah. out of that flows remembrance and you know knowing that there's several sides to a story and you're not getting all the details, as opposed to you know what so far what I've seen two Miyazaki movies, yeah. Howl's Moving Castle, and this one. There's less of a concrete. I mean, I, I mean Chihiro has a plot line, and yeah. she you know she has a watch. She wants to release herself and her family from the spirit world but it's less it's like you know that happens in the beginning and then like the film doesn't really tell you it for another hour and then they come back to it and then but like you know what miguel's you know motive is in every scene it's very you know it builds upon each other and i will say what 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 i find really interesting about about that miyazaki style is that it, it just reminds me of how a normal life works. It's like, oh, I've got this goal. Mm. And like that goal might not be the only thing you do. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that's why I find his characters so compelling is because I'm like, it's like, oh yeah, she's got to get her family back. Oh yeah. She should probably learn how to wash a floor better. Like those are two goals. Yeah. Those are two things she needs (laughs) to do. Um, And for me, like I have this, I, I, you know, the the reason we got into these kind of like YouTube videos and exploration is because I asked you, I'm like, I know like this movie is very well reviewed. I came out of it being like, okay, what's the point of this? Right. I don't really know what I learned. Like, 
some of the plot stuff seemed contrived and I'm not really sure what I was supposed to get out of this. What framework would I need to understand this movie right. without rewatching it a bunch of times and being terrified right. into myself? Um, and, you know, that's part of it that I think in my mind, seeing her wash a floor when that's not her main goal, I'm like, like there's that viewer part of me that kind of like the suspended disbelief is there. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, Man, we only have an hour and a half. Like, yeah. you're really going to spend 10 minutes washing a floor? Like, time is ticking, guys. Like, we got like, yeah. to we gotta be on the real plot timeline. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I understand. It, it was an interesting experience as a viewer. Yeah. Um, then even just processing all of this afterward, that's like, oh, this can be valuable in a different way yeah. than like Coco that is just like tumbling, tumbling, tumbling f- toward its final destination yeah. just like you know doing the dishes in real life uh mm-hmm. is valuable in a different way than like you know uh, recording your podcast or yeah you know going back to school or like everything's got some value right. i want to ask you kate about mm-hmm. uh something you've mentioned before and uh i i want to know if you think coco is an example of this and I, i'd like you to like give mm-hmm. a solid example um when we've talked before off air, you said uh, one of your favorite things in a movie is the hill beyond the hill. Mm. Um, so, like, what is what does that mean mm-hmm. to you? Mm-hmm. And does do you think Coco has that? Um, to answer the second question, I do think Coco has that. Mm-hmm. Hill beyond the hill is um, a plot device in which the thing that your hero states they want at the beginning is a legitimate thing but also you find out later on that that's not really the biggest issue for them to overcome exactly so they're, they're they're trying to go on a hill there's another bigger hill yeah um so the the two best examples are lion king and inside out okay. for me um lion king is the i want song is i just can't wait to be king mm. slightly non-traditional i want song but basically simba is just like I want to be king so I can just, like, uh, call the shots. Yeah. Um, the hill behind the hill or beyond the hill um, is that it's not even, right, he he thinks he kills his father. He's out, you know, he is in yeah, five exile. <laughs> can I just tack this on to the Lion King episode so I no. get ten minutes total? No. Oh, man. Um, so Simba, Simba is exiled both by his uncle and kind of by himself because yeah. he thinks he killed his father. And the real hill behind the hill is that when he does have the opportunity to reclaim the kingdom and become king, he doesn't want to. Mm. He is afraid of taking the responsibility. He's afraid of his past, what he feels like his past mistakes getting in the way. So his original want, his original want is still the main goal. And it's the it's audience's just, goal. It's just more significant than it was initially. Well, and it's a different goal, right? His no. goal is not necessarily to become king. His goal is to overcome his past. And so yeah. it's a different goal. Yeah. Joy, Joy's goal is to make Riley happy again because she has left headquarters. Mm-hmm. But what she finds out is in, or it's kind of like in order to do that, the bigger thing is she needs to uh, let sadness in. Okay. Right. Cool. So I love these things because it takes the viewer on a ride. And this is, you know, Miyazaki will say this too, that it's not like your your protagonist has to want something. But like, it doesn't really matter what. 
Um, it's just like what happens along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, but they do have to have a want. And I think what the kind of stories that I am drawn to is no, it's not exactly important what they want, but it is important what they have to do to get it. And I think Miyazaki would say it's, it's more important what they have to feel in order to get it. And, and so you, you say Miguel, he wants to be a musician that's his like. Well, I want, or would you say? Like, I'd say his. I mean, his. his, I his want, want is, like is I want the blessing of. Uh, right, I want the blessing of Ernesto, and it's and it's twofold because yeah. it's a well written story. Mm-hmm. It's I want his blessing as a validated musician, and yeah. I want his blessing so literally I can I don't Marty McFly disappear from this picture. Yeah. But what he finds out is that it's going to be easier for him to do that once he connects his family to their true past and once everyone remembers the correct story nice. um, and appreciates it. And so I, I think it's really successful in that. Um, and Kate, I, I, I don't want to put you on blast again. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's not on blast. It's on the spot. We, we've been talking about a lot about Hayao Miyazaki. Um, who are the people or who is the person behind Coco? Uh, so it's a Pixar film. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of have their set of directors that they use. And um, one of the directors on this film is Lee Unkridge, okay. who um, his first feature with Pixar was Monsters, Inc. So he's Excellent. there from the beginning pretty much. Yeah. Um, and his co-director is Adrian Molina, who is... Um, Dr. Octopus. Uh, nope, not Alfred Molina. Ah! It's tricky. Wait, the guy from Indiana Jones who says, you throw me the idol, I'll throw you the whip. I don't know that movie well uh, enough to know what you're Alfred joking Molina. on. All right. All right. Oh, it's the same guy? He's been around for a while. That, that's great for him. <laughs> um, anyway. Three cheers for Alfred Molina. So Adrian Molina, okay. his uh, long-lost cousin, um, he is of Mexican descent, mm. which I think is apparent in this movie. They don't have like... Wait, it's not just one animator? It's not an Iranian friend on Aladdin <laughs> or a Taiwanese friend on Mulan, which is all oh, they had. Interesting. Um, but no, he's um, animated for Pixar up to this point, um, starting with Ratatouille. He's done storyboard work for them. Great. This is, I think, his first co-directing, his first like directing assignment. Nice. Um, oh no, he wrote for The Good Dinosaur. I didn't want to know that. <laughs> oh no. Maybe he wrote like the. Maybe he wrote like the ten minutes of good in the beginning of the movie. That's wrote, what I'm going to choose to believe. He wrote the good, not the dinosaur. He wrote the good, not the dinosaur. Oh, oh boy. my God. I can't wait for you, that one. Oh, listeners, you can't wait for that one. We have a we have a hell of a dinosaur-themed podcast coming up. And it's mostly going to be about the good dinosaur. <clears throat> anyway. Which, spoiler alert, not that good. Not really that good. Not that good. Um, so Adrian Molina, Leon Critch, are co-directing yeah. on this. Um, the music is a mixture of... Um, like Mexican folk songs, but um, also music composed for the film, both by the Lopez's, which did Frozen, and um, and Adrian Molina is a co-writer on Proud Corazon, and mm. so they have influences from all over, and yeah. Um, yeah, this this directing team is very strong. I think it's I think Disney and Pixar in general, um, this would be a good model to follow of like having a veteran director who knows how to make a movie that works Mm -hmm. and also a voice that can speak directly to the you know the content of the movie i think you know we 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 joke on 
Aladdin and we joke on Mulan and we will joke on Pocahontas and all of these movies try to have an authentic influence, but maybe not multiple. Yeah. And Moana goes a step further and they have a whole consulting team of, um, you know, South Pacific Islanders. But they're not the ones telling. John Musker and Ron Clements are both white guys. Um, And and I think it's apparent in the treatment of the movie that there's a separate team for getting it right and there's a team for storytelling and the storytelling team kind of uh, deflects. Moana, that's completely clear. Because there's the team that gets it right. There's the team that's telling the story. The team that gets it right wins. They made two different movies. Um, So uh, 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 you you, you talked about the music. And I I just want to jump in there Mm. uh, and talk about Joe. I'm going to get it wrong again. Joe Hisaishi? I think that's right. Hisaishi? It'd be Hisaishi. Okay, I think. great. I think Japanese you said, you is like... You said a different one before. I know. And that's I've been, okay. I've been thinking about the way I said it the first time, and I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Okay. So anyway, uh, Joe. Joe. Uh, he is uh, uh, an um, amazing uh, 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 songwriter. Um, he does... I think he's done all of Miyazaki's movie. He's like kind of the John Williams mm. to Miyazaki's Steven Spielberg. Um, the Randy Newman to John Lasseter, you might say. Yeah, but like good. <laughs> he uh, Newman Burn. He writes these these songs that just like, uh, you know, again, like invoke a mood. Like, you know, they they they. I I listen to any of the songs and I know what I feel. I I, I know what he's trying to make me feel, uh, and they're like. I managed to get nostalgic for my childhood in Japan, which is not a thing that has ever happened. Uh, because, as Kate said earlier, I, I'm originally from Michigan. Not from Japan. Uh, but I'm like, you know, like like some of the songs from Spirited Away, from Totoro, from from whatever, where, where I'm just like, oh. And I'm just like, insta- it's like this bittersweet beautiful score and uh it just it just makes it for me mm-hmm. and like moana has has an amazing score but coco Mo- oh okay okay coco uh <laughs> the third movie of this podcast is a moana apparently. yeah it's like a secret it's a secret We're just third gonna movie. <laughs> talk um, about moana every single po- i just wanted i just wanted to bring it up so people don't think i'm just like uh uh just ragging on disney yeah um, or Pixar, right? Which I'm not. Coco is like one of my favorite movies, um, but the score is pretty lackluster. I, I think. disagree. Yeah. Interestingly, um, I think the score is very. We talked about this earlier that the score is very. Uh, it's very much the, so the score not being the songs with words, not the songs the songs the instrumentals are very much to serve the scene that it's going with where like. If the character is running, you know, the violins are going like, right? Like it's matching the action on stage as opposed to the mood. And that's, that flows with this whole idea of storytelling, right? Of like, you know, the Miyazaki story is how you feel on the way to your goal. Whereas Disney Pixar is how you, what you do on your way to the goal. Yeah. Um, But I, but I do enjoy the songs in this movie and I think it works really well. So I, I just looked it up because we never know the difference. Right. They are diegetic. 
songs. They're in non-diegetic this. songs. They are diegetic. Stop confusing me. They are diegetic songs in this movie because the characters are actually singing them in the movie. As opposed to songs where you have to like kind of suspend disbelief. And they're not really singing. They're it's using music. It's representational. Right. Yeah. Um, but is it like Hector's actually singing the song to oh. uh, 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 yeah, Edward matter. James almost? Yeah. He's, uh, like dying. Oh. Um, oh. Di- oh. He's so a dead good. that's dying. It's very good. So good. Um, but all the songs are diegetic in that the characters are actually singing them. And I think it works really well. We've uh, recently seen a movie that the songs are like half diegetic and half non. And I think Coco does what uh, The Greatest Showman should have, uh, which is like the, the songs are, uh, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So it's You're like, not. The, the songs of The Greatest Showman don't make sense because you don't know who the hell is singing them. Like they're definitely, like they're supposed to be non-diegetic, but they feel diegetic because they're so bland that why would one person choose to sing these words over right, the, others? The audience should know this. Kate and I watched The Greatest Showman. It's so bad. And hated The Greatest Showman. But Kate is like obsessed with finding a way to redeem it. No. Oh, oh, I'm not no, doing that here. You are. No, no, it's no, no. weird. No, no. I'm saying the music is all wrong in... in so here's, here's the thing. Coco... I might have to start over. Coco did the thing The Greatest Showman didn't do in that Coco was a great movie with great music and The Greatest Showman was terrible. End of story. It's it's that easy. There's a way to write songs. So basically like... um, uh, How about Coco did what Moulin Rouge did right? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. And there and there are some um, songs that are borrowed like um, La Llorona... Um, mm, God, that song's so good. It's so good. Um, and it matches the pace of what's going on in the, in the movie yeah. at that time, even though lyrically it's not quite, like it's not word for word what's yeah. happening. Um, but yeah, the music is so good. I love the soundtrack in English and Spanish. Um, my kid, like I teach elementary school. My kids love the music from this music from this movie, which I feel like is a good barometer of, mm-hmm. of how good it is. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the songs are great. The score, sure, it's not quite as luscious as like a Moana score or something like that. I think like it's that. fair. It's, 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 I don't listen to the score from this movie. The, it's, that's, that's fair. That's, and that's my point. Yeah. Like, it just serves the movie. Sure. It's not like uh, it's not like a John Williams or James Horner or mm-hmm. something like that where you're like, or, or Hans Zimmer, where you're like, oh man, I remember this moment because this moment was spiked by this piece of music. Sure. Except for the and uh, again to make it clear, the songs in the movie are amazing. Proud Corazon. Why mm. did I put an accent on proud and not on Corazon? I said Corazon. I said Proud Corazon. You did. What was that? That was weird. Um, but uh, uh, like that song is amazing and and remember, remember me, me is me. a brilliant work of musical Ooh. theater in that it's used. Three different times. Three different times. In three different ways. And it's in the movie and it's oh, and it hits every single time. It's so it's good. This beautiful it's like plot device and song and storytelling. Ugh, ugh. Yeah. This uh these uh Robert and Christy Lopez people, they might uh, have some talent there. Yeah, they should make a like a book of Yeah, book they of should frozen do Mormon. Book of Frozen Mormon cues. cues. Um 
Cool. So let's let's uh, 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 we've been talking like big picture stuff. We have. Let's bring it down to very small picture. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our, our 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 main characters. So the the comical mouse and the comical dog. That's what you're no, talking about, right? No, I'm talking about Miguel uh-huh. and Chihiro. Are you sure? I'm sure. Are you sure that the dog and the mouse aren't the main characters of these films? I'm vaguely sure. So we've talked a little bit about how Miguel is not the like the main character of um, Coco, and yet, I don't know, Like, do you feel like he is just blank canvas, or do you feel like you identify with him? I think he is... I think... So Coco is kind of set up like a uh, science fiction movie in that we've got a fish out of water or a fantasy movie, right? Mm -hmm. We've got a fish out of water and that is Miguel. And Mm -hmm. Miguel is us. Yes. Like Miguel doesn't specifically grow in the movie, but he doesn't like... He observes. Mm. Like, he participates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, through Miguel's eyes, we see, like, oh, man, this thing. Oh, uh, Ernesto. Oh, uh, Aron Sanchez is probably oh, not. No, he's, he's alive. But, like, we, we, we so we see, uh, uh, anyway, we see all this, this magnificent stuff through his eyes. But he doesn't specifically change. We see the people around him change. Yes, um, and I think that's I think that's a very interesting thing to do for like the hero of a story, because even in like other Pixar movies, like Disney's much more traditional than Pixar, but mm-hmm. even in like Disney's like le- or Pixar's like least traditional feature, which I'd say is probably Wally, mm-hmm. like Wally. Goes through changes and Eva goes through changes and mm-hmm. like those characters develop. Miguel doesn't really. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, I would say that like Hector has the the most change. He has He's a the great most arc, developed yeah. character from in terms of beginning to end. Yeah. Um, but I think because Miguel is painted so dimensionally. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he is learning things does not necessarily change him, but you, you know, he doesn't know. And it's not just knowledge that makes him sing to Mama Coco at the end, right? It's it's knowledge and also this idea of like, oh, I need to start connecting to people instead of like just saying, you're wrong because I like this. Like, yeah. I, like, he sees his family there and he knows that they're going to be pissed at him for playing the guitar, but he's like... No, I need to do this because I need to connect with Mama Coco mm-hmm. to save Hector, but also to connect with Mama Coco. Like, yeah. that music is the way to do this. It's not just this thing that's going to make me famous like Ernesto. Music is the connection. Music is... I feel like this he maybe learns about music. Yeah. Um, like, music is a character that maybe undergoes character development. Um, I mean, this, this song, Remember Me, yeah. undergoes yeah. a lot of change. And so I think he's he's learned a new skill that this love of his music can do something more rather than just, you know, achieve your 
goals of fame and popularity. It kind of reminds me of how like a song can mean different things to you at different stages mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Like Remember Me means three different things over the course of the life of the movie. Mm-hmm. And like maybe that's more of a character or more of a character arc. Yeah. Um, similarly, I would say that Chihiro and Spirited Away does not have... There's not like a moment where... You know, like, we get the traditional Disney, like, oh, I get it. I'm strong now. Or, like, oh, right. the power was inside me all along. Or, or, or something like that, right? We don't get the obvious, like, lesson out of Chihiro either. We just get stories about her. We see her grow in a... In a way that, uh, uh, to go back to to what I said earlier, kind of she grows like humans grow, like imperceptibly and mm-hmm. a tiny amount at a time. Mm-hmm. But like by the like from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, she's a more she's more confident. She's more comfortable in herself. You know, for for you know, as far as like a character arc goes, that's mm-hmm. not super interesting Mm -hmm. but i I do enjoy like the kind of reality that like she's the exact same person when she started as when she stopped but now she like understands herself a little better Mm -hmm. which i think is how people grow hey kate uh let's talk about uh, you alluded to them earlier the the real heroes of this movie the sidekicks the little mouse and the little dog yeah uh, what's the Dante, right? Dante is the name of the dog in Coco, yes. Dante is um, probably the uh, Pixar character that I love the most in terms of animation. He is just a, a rubber. Yes, a lappy dog. He's, it is amazing yeah. the way he moves and stretches and squishes and flops around and it's. It's like, I feel like Dante is the kind of thing that everyone said computer animation would never be able to do. Mm. And he just, he's, mm-hmm. he's just all over the place. He's sloppy and floppy and I love him so much. And I don't care for dogs. No. I mean, and he kind of gets a little bit of uh, redemption too at the end, which is fun. And yeah. he becomes one of the spirit animals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, he's great. Like, yeah. he's, like, this comic relief character, but he's, like, not too much, like... And he's got a little... There's a little bit of heart to him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's more of an Abu, but he's more of a carpet than yeah. an Abu. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I like that. I appreciate the restraint in yeah. that. Of like, they're not going to make him talk. They're not going to make him, like, be this, like, really, like, you know, lots of screen time yeah. type of character, but... Also, he feels like he sometimes does and sometimes does not have bones. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's neat. Ugh. Uh, and Chihiro also has sidekicks yes. along the way. Um, some of them are big and scary, um, but some of them are tiny. I mean, I I don't know. This mouse and this like spider bird fly kind of character it's, are it's with her fly. for like ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, but they make an impact. They do. I I, I like this mouse mostly because I hated the giant baby that it started as. I'm like. 
well, this is a tiny purple mouse. I can yeah. get behind this character at long last. You know, the interesting thing is, I think that baby has a really, really obvious and strong character arc. Like, it starts out as being, like, afraid of germs and outsiders. And then, like, and like just being a complete baby. And then, at the end, kind of standing up to his mom. Is it afraid of germs? Okay, it's there's very an episode. Of germs. I think it was an episode of Rugrats and not the movie. I don't know why I knew you were going to say Rugrats, but I knew you were going to say Rugrats. Tommy dreams of like, Tommy Pickles dreams of like what his new baby brother is going to be like, but it's like this giant baby that just wants all the attention to himself. Like, that's this character. Cool. Maybe he was afraid of germs in movie, but I don't know. Between the visual like trauma. Yeah, that's why he hid under pillows is because he was afraid of germs. And he tried to crush Chihiro because he thought she was a germ. I miss so much of this movie. That's all right. It is so visually terrifying to me. I and the audience still think you're pretty good. But the mouse was cute. I like the mouse. The mouse and the bird and the soot sprites. The soot sprites were cute eventually, yeah. Wow, eventually? They weren't terrifying at first. I was just like, I don't care about these. But then when they started helping her and bringing her shoes, that was adorable. They ate that candy or plastic or whatever. There's some, you, you, yes, that was also adorable. Yeah. You use the word uh, whimsical to describe Miyazaki a lot. Yeah. Um, I see about 10% whimsy, 90% horror, um, but that is one moment where we can both agree that the whimsy uh, is indeed whimsy. I'm glad we got you to some of the whimsy. <laughs> There's a little bit in there. Also, just, I want to throw it out there. I love that the scariest moment in the movies in the movie is like half an hour from the end. You've got like a whole nother mini adventure that they go on where they like they go walk to this house and No Face like helps make string or helps make yarn. I forgot about that. It's just like this whole like kind of wind down, very yeah. calm, like we're taking a train ride. We're just sitting on the train. We're just hanging out. The pacing is very different from what I am used to. The pacing in Paul is very different. The pacing in Paul. Um, so it sounds like we might be ready for some of our you know, wrap-up segments. I think it's time for the most celebrated segments in podcast history. The, mm-hmm, very celebrated. Uh, Dick, your most valuable uh, persona... Mm-hmm. In these movies, uh, uh, my most valuable pig. Yo, in this movie. oh, please no. MVP, Spirited Away and Coco. Ah, this is hard uh, because normally we just pick one MVP, right? That is the standard so far. Well, I'll tell you what, my MVP is Kate Phillips for sitting through Spirited Away. I appreciate it, that. Making it all the way through without without. Freaking out too much. I didn't die. I didn't leave the room. Sometimes I covered my eyes. That's real. Yeah. I have not covered my... Like, I watched all of Get Out. I did not cover my eyes. Yeah. You were like, like, yeah, this is fine. I watched all of Shaun of the Dead. I did not cover my eyes. Yeah, you are like, oh, this is pretty fun. I know none of those are, like, legit scary movies. Get Out, scary. But they're horror genre. Um, I could not... Do no name when he was not a skinny no face. guy. No, no face. Sorry, I cannot do no face when he was not a skinny guy. I I couldn't. Um, so I appreciate that award because I really do feel like I have earned it, yeah. and I'd like to thank uh, all of my nightmares 
for preparing me for these moments, I guess. Good. I don't know. Or like, no, waking up from the nightmares. I'd like to thank the, the yeah. wake-ups after the nightmares. Um, Kate, who's your MVP? God. You don't um, have to say it's me, but you can if you want it's, to. I appreciate your moral support. I really do. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Um, I, oh, I guess my MVP, ooh, ooh. I, oh, oh. I'm going to do this a little differently. <gasps> my MVP is the audience. On both of these movies. Boo. Hold up. Hold up. Everyone said there were only four members of Spinal Tap, but there were five. You're supposed um, to turn the lights up on the audience now. <laughs> um, so in a Miyazaki movie in general, I think Spirited Away, they give a lot of, not so much work, but kind of trust to the audience of like, you're going to put together these pieces, you're going to... Trust Chihiro as your stand-in. You're and gonna you're find gonna, something that means something. Yeah, you're gonna leave. Your, you're gonna put yourself out there as vulnerable enough to connect to these themes. Um, and I think, you know, Coco is less about like it is less ambitious in its audience trust, mm-hmm. but it's still it's not holding back anything for the audience. It's it's moving forward, and yes, in a more linear way, in a more concrete way. But I think it is kind of taking its audience along like we're gonna go on this journey uh you're gonna cry like you know i imagine also like i have not lost grandparents yet and i'm very fortunate in that but i know for people who have experienced loss especially in their family that this movie is even more powerful has different levels on it matt just just like i said moana you put a, a abuela or an abuelita you put a, you put a grandma in your thing in the heights you put a grandma in your thing, I'm going to cry. Even if she's like alive and healthy all the way through, at some point, I'm just going to mm-hmm. cry. Um, but I will say, I, I, I agree with what you're saying about trust for Coco. And I think part of that is is even less like this. Like for Miyazaki, it's like, here's the storytelling style. Yeah. I trust that you'll get it. For Coco, it's kind of like, we trust that you'll see this. Like we made this authentic. We trust that you'll see it, and we trust that, like, there's a lot of Spanglish in it. Yeah. Even the the English version, there's a lot of just, like, here's our tradition. We're not really going to explain it beyond showing you what it is. Yeah. And and I was actually just going to get to that, that, like, it's just, like, here is a culture that is different than yours. Connect with it. Yeah. Um, And I really appreciate that, that it's not a movie made for the traditional ticket buyer of a Pixar film. Yeah, they didn't, Or at least the audience that they've been catering to for the last 20 years. They didn't say like, years. oh man, is the audience like gonna connect Are they with ready this? for like, this? Go. Yeah. The last song, what's it called? Proud Corazon. Like, yeah. half of that song title yes. is not in English. Half of the song is not in English. And it's not even like, it's not like Verde or like, it's some you know, yeah. it's not like obvious but like I had to I had to ask you what yeah. Corazon meant. Yeah, they don't say the word heart in it. I didn't yeah. think about that. I had no idea. Yeah. So neat. Yeah. So the audience. Nice. Or at least the The trust the in the trust audience. The trust in the audience is the MVP. Very uh abstract Miyazaki type type nice. of answer for that one. So now I uh, I don't tend to do a lot of thinking about about these categories or my answers. Uh, uh, about the podcast, mm-hmm. I like, 
I kind of come into it fresh. Like, we research the movies, stuff like that. Yes, and mentality. Yeah. But I've been thinking about this a lot, and, and I'm eager to find out your answer first. What is your crossover between these? What what people, what characters would you cross over between these two movies? Yikes. Um, I think I have... I'm, I'm formulating it now. I didn't actually plan this out before. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think I have... I'm going to have Hector and Miguel be like uh, uh, traveling like uh, serenaders for someone in Spirited Away. Ooh. Like offhand, probably the mouse because it's the character I'm least afraid of. Okay. Besides, I guess, Chihiro. Now, the mouse doesn't exist anymore. No. It turns back Here's what I want. Yeah. Here's what I want. Okay. I want um, Miguel's parents, mm-hmm. who like are traditional, oh, but they're pretty on. supportive. I want them to be Chihiro's parents Boo. because at least they weren't won't take her to an abandoned, dangerous theme park, dismiss all her very legitimate fears about like, hey guys, maybe we shouldn't go in there because it's abandoned and we're already on our way here. And they wouldn't turn into pigs because they're decent human beings. So I want to uh, adopt, I guess, Chihiro into Miguel's family, especially post-movie, because they'll be very accepting of whatever she wants to do in life and whatever she doesn't want to do in life, like put herself in mortal danger. Dear audience, uh, once Kate and I went to Morocco and she tried to take me into an abandoned amusement park because there was a... Kind of off-model Lion King painting inside the amusement park in a city that was already kind of freaky. Uh, And she was like, let's just go on in. And she kind of dismissed my very real fears in order to go exploring on her own. And she turned into a pig. So One, there was not like a mountain and a riverbed to cross. Nope, that would have been cool. Two, there was no food inside for me to steal... Yeah, no, so this was so fine. There was this no was mountain, fine. There was I just no wanted bed, to take a picture. There was no food. You tell me. Which also, way. we had like three hours to kill to our next train. Apparently, five hours because trains in Morocco do not run on time. They do not. But I'm just saying, for someone who is angry at her parents yeah. for doing this, you literally did this to me. But like, if the, there had been like an eight year old with me who was like, "I don't want to do this," I would have been like, "Okay." I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> not for a second. Well, good thing I'm not a parent then. Yes. That because I'd be uh, a terrible parent. Apparently, like Chihiro's parents, I'd be a terrible parent. Like Miguel's parents, no. who are also terrible. Um, they they are. By they're the end so of the movie, bad. they're fine. By the end of the movie, Chihiro's parents are fine. I don't believe that for a second. Her dad's like, "What was this? Was a car?" Okay. Um, hey, you know what? I'm going to tell you my crossover. Who's your crossover? I finally figured it out. Uh, it's someone, it's going to be some people or, or a person or, uh, I didn't figure it out. Here's, here's, okay. I've I thought got, your whole like preamble to this was that you had finally figured no, something I've out ahead of time. been thinking about I it I thought you were being, uh, So sneaky. here, here are my two options. Uh, like as a, as a very like base level, I want to put, I want to put Dante, with uh, the baby in mouse form and the bird in fly form. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. Obviously. Uh, that's a four or five minute short before a movie. 
So not, maybe that's the, not twenty-two minutes. That's an extra crossover. Yeah, extra crossover. That's what you put before um, Coco. But not also, that. I would I would put uh, Joe Hisaishi mm. in Coco to okay. really like like and like the the direction would have to change. You'd have to give that movie a little bit of time to breathe, mm-hmm. but to add a little bit of otherworldly sound okay to the otherworldly location yeah um like just i just want him to do the score for that initial crossing of the bridge and seeing Mm. uh that like spirit world like if that was joe doing that i think we would remember the music and i think it would have affected us in a much more dramatic way Mm -hmm. than it did in watching the movie Coco. That's a great idea. Thank you. I like that. Hey, Kate. Uh, yeah. Are you ready for the final segment? I am ready. We got we got one segment. One segment. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Oh, you said that. Yes. Okay. Are you still ready, though? Still ready. Okay. So, the last segment is uh, these movies. Uh, Coco is a pretty recent movie. Spirited Away, less recent. But still. For Coco, we'll start there. Are you going to re-release this, release a special edition, or are you going to chuck this one in the vault with Song of the South, never to be seen again, but maybe they'll make a ride out of it 20 years later? Also, Titan E is just constantly oh. in the vault. Oof. But it's like burning up all the other movies in the vault. Ooh, ooh that's a spoiler. Yeah, that's a Sorry. spoiler. Uh, we didn't say anything spoiler. about any movie, but we Song of the South. We love Titan E. It's probably great. We um, love it, don't we? Um... Re-release. Like, I think this yeah. movie is going to, regardless of technological advances past this point, I think it is going to remain a fairly timeless movie. I think it's brilliantly executed storytelling, great characters. Um, my kids love it, and they don't talk about every movie as much as they talk about Coco. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty confident this is a Your students. My students. Your students. I have 500 kids. Uh, I call them kids. They're students, but also they're 500 kids. I call my students kids, too. Some of them are older than this. Um, let me ask you a, a, a follow-up question. Mm. Is is there anywhere else where like where it would make sense to release Coco? Well, I think there would be. Where is Ward. that case, um, So it would be. it would seem that, like... It would be neat because these sets are so gorgeous in Coco and the spirit world is so uh, detailed that, like, if you could, like, ride a boat Ooh. through this world, it would be really neat. Like, wow. And I think it would be even more rewarding if, If there like, were three caballeros in there? If you were, like, really, like, hot from the oh. outdoors and, like, you would just walk through, like, a bunch of shut-down things from the future... Um, <laughs> All right. that don't work anymore. All like, right. like, say, like Future World at Epcot. Yeah. Um, if you would just walk through that, you're really hot. You get maybe a margarita. A shot you of go Beverly. On this, yeah. <laughs> you, it's on the other side of the park. You, you Look, go into I just Canada want my Beverly. Um, so you get on this, uh, maybe, maybe you go into this, like, pavilion that's based on Mexico. You get on this boat and maybe you ride through uh, the Land of the Dead in there, Coco. There's a boat ride in Mexico in Epcot. There is. That is at Disney World. It's three caballeros themed. It is. Right now. It used to just be like a boat just... cruise through Mexico about like ten but, years, less than man, ten years you ago. You make that Coco themed, you put some of the music in there, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I learned recently 
um, from Podcast the Ride <gasps> who learned from someone else that <sighs> it was an idea, but Coco did not perform well enough at the box office. And now it's a dead idea. That's stupid. Much like uh, Coco's ancestors. That's stupid and I it's hate it. It's stupid and I hate it too. Thanks, I hate it. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, so that's what I do with Coco. What do yeah. you do with Coco? Uh, vault. No. No, it's great. I, I Yeah, uh, that's that's an easy re-release. Uh, just like leave it in the theaters. Yeah. It should really? be able to... Just uh, constantly. Just leave it in the theaters so I can see it on the big screen whenever I want. English and Spanish. And cry in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the like other alternative would be like a special edition, just like release the Spanish wide. Yeah, or it like, was, it was you know, pretty limited. Uh, this is like hundreds of hours of work, but like uh, maybe make the characters speak in Spanish, like the visual. Oh, no. Oh, I know, but it would be great. It would that's, look. That's so much work. It is a lot of work. All right. But you know, this is blue sky. All right. Spirited away. I think I also re release, mm-hmm. but I want it re- like. You know, books I read in, like, English classes in high school where, like, you read the book, but also you get, like, the criticism and you get to discuss it with people and you're like, oh, this book that was, like, super dry, oh my gosh, there's all these themes in it that I didn't realize because I don't have the framework to do it. Like, I want not so much an audio commentary, but just kind of, like, an after-movie discussion uh, with everyone just to, like, break it down and, like, here's the filmmaking style this is like you're not supposed to get this, but notice how this repeated and this repeated. I I kind of want a little bit more, uh, not cliff notes, just the uh, which appendage uh, actually happened appendixes a little bit before appendices. Coco when we saw it in the theater. Mm. There was like a little bit of like a hey, here's like some stuff we did. Enjoy yeah. the movie. Yeah. Um. Interesting. Uh, for me, this is an obvious re-release. Mm. Um. Interestingly enough, uh, and, and and we didn't really think about this earlier. Uh, it would have been interesting to mention is we've seen both we've seen Coco in both English and Spanish. I've seen Spirited Away in both English and Japanese. Oh my English gosh! Subtitles. I didn't know that. Um, but you saw the English dub, uh, which is a very good dub. Uh-huh. But it is it is a dub. Just, and the vo- just from looking at YouTube videos, the voices are fairly different. Yeah, I mean, I think they're representational. Yes, they're I think, representational. I think there's people you go culture, to in Japan, yeah. and people you go to in America. But yeah, they're they're a little bit different. And like when we get into uh, my neighbor Totoro at some point, like I will get into the the original voice cast and the new voice cast and which mm. one I prefer. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, like you said, I think it would be interesting to have a little bit of context beforehand. Um, or afterhand for people. Uh, I really like that. I also think if you could take a boat ride through Japan and see the characters from Spirited Away, which were distributed by uh, Walt Disney Pictures, uh, that would be really cool. Is that a thing that exists in Tokyo? No. Oh, okay. No. I thought you were describing maybe something real. Oh my god, I wish. Japan doesn't have a ride at Epcot. Japan does not have a ride. It only has a movie. Yeah. Um, there is, like... Uh, does it have a movie? China yeah. has a movie. Uh, Miyazaki is super resistant to a lot of different types of marketing things. Um, there is a Studio Ghibli theme park, though, right? Museum. Museum. There's a Studio Ghibli museum. Um, I would... 
kill to go to a Studio Ghibli theme park. And I think there was like a knockoff one in Hong Kong. Sure. Uh, or like Hong Shanghai Kong or somewhere, stuff, somewhere else. Somewhere else. don't have to worry China. about things like copyright. Or safety. And, yeah, or safety. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, I, you know, like you could get like merchandise, but that's about it. And like it took forever for, like, there is the, do, do you know, I don't think we've talked about this even, the first Studio Ghibli video game. Or the first video game even tied in with Studio Ghibli was released like five years ago. Oh, uh, and it's and like, he's been making movies since the seventies, yeah. right? And the movie, the it's not even it's not tied in to any uh-huh. existing properties. They just like worked with Ghibli on it, and I don't think they worked with Miyazaki. I could be wrong, well, but like that could not be further from Walt Disney's vision of yeah, his because he's very much like, look, this is the movie. Um, and like there is stuff that you can only see, like there is a sequel like it's a it's like a short but it's a spiritual sequel or a sequel to My Neighbor Totoro. Mm-hmm. You can only see it at the Ghibli Museum mm. and you can only see it when it's airing. Mm. So like there are people on like video game podcasts and stuff I listen to who have been to Japan multiple times, been to that museum multiple times, and it's never been that short oh, airing. No. You can't see it any other way. So like. Yeah, I would love, I would love some, some Studio Ghibli in, uh, like just represented in some way yeah. in Disney World, and even if it's just like a statue somewhere. Because yeah. you see, yeah. like you see it in every Toy Story movie. You see it all over Pixar. Uh, yeah, you see it in every interview with John Lasseter. He's got just a bunch of uh, Ghibli stuff behind him, mm-hmm. but like nowhere in the parks. That'd be a neat thing to like Easter egg into the Japan Pavilion. Mm. And I did look at There's not a movie in Japan. There's just uh, like a tiny museum. Well, they should put a movie in. It should be May and the Cat Bus. And I should get to watch it without having to go to Japan and hoping that it's the Any movie time show. Of day. Yeah. Well, those are our hopes and dreams. Yay! Disney, I hope you're listening. Uh, but that's that's all for Cellmates the Podcast. Yay! Great. You survived Cellmates the Podcast. No, let's not do that. It's stealing. You. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Do you want to do a social media plug on this I one? I do. All right. We need followers and people interacting with us. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we highly recommend you do. You can head on over to Twitter where we are at, like the at sign, uh, Cellmates Podcast. And on Facebook, we have a page also called Cellmates Space Podcast. Wait. The space is not like outer space. It's like the character space. Wait, I don't think you can have a space in a URL. Well, if you go to Facebook and search Cellmates Space Podcast, that'll come up. All right, so you heard it. Cellmates Podcast and the Cellmates Space Podcast. Oh, no, no one's going to find us. Ah. Also, if you know us, just ask us. Uh, But there's a lot of cool content on there, like links and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.